Why did God choose the cross for addressing mankind's problem of sin? How is the shed blood of a man 2,000 years ago relevant to here and now? We are going to talk about that this morning as we introduce a fantastic new book that answers these questions. It is finished, a 40-day pilgrimage back to the cross, and it's written by New York Times and U.S. Today bestselling author Charles Martin, who is with us this morning. Good morning, Charles. Hey, good morning. I appreciate y'all having me. It is, uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to have you with us, and I love this, the topic of this because we get you know, kind of involved in in delving deep and learning more about God and reading our scriptures, but we have a tendency sometimes to to need to be refreshed on the basics where it all began. So, so why the cross? Let's just jump right in there. What what was what was that? I've been to Israel six times. On my about my third trip, they had opened up the tunnels down along the western wall. It's a, it's a Herodian road. We're pretty certain that after Jesus was arrested and spent the night at Caiaphas' house, he was marched to the soldiers' garrison at Pilate's Praetorium where he was flogged. They gambled for his clothes, and then they force-marched him out of the city. But you can get down to that road now, mm. and you can see the hole where the soldiers would have wedged a post into the stone. There's a blood groove cut in the mm. stone to drain the blood. And about 10 feet away is a it looks like a tic-tac-toe board with like 12 vertical and 12 horizontal lines. And it's a game that we know from record. The Roman soldiers played a gambling game for the belongings of the dude strapped to the post, Mm -hmm. and specifically their clothes. And I happened to get down there after about my third trip, and I was staring at that hole. This has probably been eight or so years ago. I've known the Lord a long time. I'm 54. That doesn't mean I've always been obedient, but I, I, I I do think I have followed him most of my life. But for some reason, staring at that hole and that blood groove on those smooth Herodian stones with that game over there, and I could hear the whispers and the laughing and the mocking and all that, I just, a real simple question kind of just popped into my head. What kind of king leaves his throne and comes on a rescue mission for a sinner like me? It was just Mm -hmm. a real, Mm -hmm. it just put it in my lap. And as soon as I said that, I felt like the Lord just sort of locked his arm in alongside mine or kind of with me and said, hey, walk with me back to my cross, and I'll show you. And so I just began diving deeper into the Word, always with a, a, an angle toward the cross. Why? why what, I mean, Paul, even when we finally get to Paul 20 years after the death of Jesus, he says, I desire to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. Well, why? Why not Christ and him, you know, feeding the 5,000 or healing the paralytic or raising Lazarus or whatever it might be? Well, because the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the very power of God. So I just got into the Word, and the Lord took me back day after day after day back to his cross, and he showed me in his beautiful, grace-filled mercy what he took from me that he did not deserve, which was the wrath of God. And what he gave me in response, which was his mercy and his grace, in a path back to the Father. Because without the blood of Jesus, there is no path back to the Father. So that's what started it. So to go a little bit deeper than that, uh, people today might not know all that history of why it required a blood sacrifice. So how is his blood shed 2,000 years ago relevant for us today? 
I spent some time asking that question myself because it doesn't make rational sense. I mean, what's the deal with the blood? Like, in the economy of God, why does he require blood payment for, for payment of sin? And, I mean, honestly, until we all get to heaven, we won't really know the answer because he just, he just declared it and he just decided it. If you, if you go all the way back to the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, and in, and in effect, they didn't just sin. They chose a rival kingdom and a rival king. It was rebellion. It was outright defiant. Mm. And what happened in that moment when they sinned against a righteous and holy God, there was a break in the intimacy and the purity of that relationship. And in order to cover or to, to span the chasm or bring them back to himself, he, they covered themselves with fig, fig leaves because they're trying to cover his shame, their shame. God the Father covered their sin with the skin of an animal. So we know from the first couple chapters of Genesis that the animal paid everything to cover their sin. There was blood shed even then. And so for some reason, in the economy of God, as we travel through the history of the people of God, throughout that history, blood has always been required to make payment for sin. We see this in Leviticus. He said, I have given you the blood upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. So, and then finally we get to we get to John, who's baptizing people in the water, and he says, Behold, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And the difference about Jesus is that the shed blood of Jesus didn't just cover the sin for one year, like the blood of a lamb on the Day of Atonement. The blood of Jesus erased it. It took all of our debt ledgers, wiped them clean, mm-hmm. so that when the Lord looks at our, when God the Father looks at our debt ledger, which is greater than any of us can pay in 10,000 lifetimes, that's right. For those of us who believe in Jesus and have trusted in Him and surrendered wholeheartedly to Him, the Father looks at that ledger, which has been wiped clean, and in my mind, He sees three words, it is finished. And that's that's part of, you know, your book explains that that's part of what that means, is that the old rules and the requirement of blood sacrifice from others, that, that's done, that's finished Jesus has paid the ultimate blood sacrifice for us, or is there, there's more to that though, right? Well, when Jesus says it is finished, his work on the cross is finished. His work as the satisfaction, as the propitiation or the payment to satisfy the wrath of God is finished. Now, we need to differentiate between his work and us, because while his work on the cross is finished and complete and perfect, his his work in each of us is ongoing. That's what's called sanctification. So we're all in process. That's why right. John says the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from all sin. So I'm thankful that while his work on the cross is finished, his work in me is not, and I get to walk back daily in repentance and say, Lord, it's me. I'm back. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Will you walk with me? I just want to follow you. We know that Jesus did not stay on the cross and that he rose from the dead. So how does Jesus' resurrection change us today? Well, the, the resurrection changes everything about everything for everyone for all time. It's the, it's the singular event that it's, it's God's bona fides. This is my son and with whom I'm well pleased, and I'm going to raise him to life again. The reason I focus on the cross before we, if you when you when you make it through the book, I'm I'm definitely focused on the cross for forty days. But but there's I'm always saying there's an empty tomb on the other side. But I yes. don't want us to jump to the joy of the mm. empty tomb. It is he is risen, 
um, until you've been through the shadow of the cross, because every road to the tomb goes through the cross. You, you can't appreciate the tomb without understanding the payment that was made right. at the cross. And the thing that I felt like the Lord brought me to day after day after day in his grace-filled mercy was, I, again, I've known him a long time, and I, I felt like I knew my need for the cross. But what he got really unpacked for me was that the only thing I bring to the cross, I don't bring good deeds, I don't bring good intentions, I don't bring any sort of sort of self-right. The only thing I bring to the cross is the sin that causes me to need it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So as he brought me back day after day, he just revealed to me these places in my life where I had skipped over sin, or I had compromised, or I had acquiesced, or I had held unforgiveness, or I had not walked in repentance. And it wasn't him poking me in the chest and saying, you know, you terrible sinner. It was this grace-filled thing, the same thing he does with Peter on the beach after his resurrection. When he, I think he sits down and he gives Peter some fish. I think he wraps his arm around him. I've heard this taught where Jesus is sort of poking Peter in the chest, and I don't think that's what happened. Mm. I think Jesus is, 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 is conducting the greatest do-over in the history of do-overs, and he sits down next to his buddy, and he says, hey, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, you know that. Okay, then just feed my sheep. Feed my lambs, feed my Mm. sheep. And then finally, the thing that Peter's been waiting to hear the whole time is follow me. And now he's been reinserted back into the team. And it's it's the first word Peter, Jesus ever said to Peter was follow me. And the last recorded word we see is Jesus saying to Peter, follow me. So it's a beautiful restoration. I felt like the Lord just did that with me in his grace. So he met me daily with the truth of myself, which is ugly. It's worse than all of you think. And if you knew my thoughts, you'd agree with me. But then he didn't just leave me there. Hmm. In his grace, he healed me and delivered me. And I just was, many days I would sit there, you know, crying at what he was doing to me and in me and, and, and through me. So it's part of my process. You know, in the book, you make a point that there's a lot of things that, you know, God forgives and forgets our sin, but there are aspects that, that God does not forget uh, about us. Can you unpack that a little bit? Well, I would imagine there's a lot. Sometimes I feel like I get asked questions that are a little bit above my pay grade. That one might be. What he doesn't forget is that he loves us with a love we can't fathom. We see a little bit of this in John 17, what we call the high priestly prayer, when Jesus is talking to the Father before he goes to the cross. He's still in the garden. And at the very end of John 17, he says, so that they, meaning you and I, might know the love with which you have loved me and I have loved you, and so that I might be in them. I and mean, that's where we get the reason for Jesus. The reason for Jesus was to return to, to return us to the Father so that we might know his love. I think one of the things he showed me in, in, in me backing into this or, or trying to write myself through this process in this pilgrimage, which is I'm not I'm not a I'm not a great tour guide, I'm a better pilgrim mm-hmm. and I'm not very much of a devotional guy. I don't really do devotionals. This one's tagged as a devotional because they didn't, I think my publisher didn't know what else to call it, but it's more <laughs> of a pilgrimage right. with me kind of locking arms with you saying, hey, let's walk through these events and in the, in the, these true events in the life of Jesus. Hmm. And, 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 and let's just walk through them together. And let's just ask the Lord what he's saying in these moments when he meets the woman caught in adultery, when he heals the paralytic, when he <laughs> says to Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, what is it that you want me to do for you? 
And then when he says it is finished, or I thirst, or mother behold, like in these events, what is he? How does it? How does it reveal himself? How does he reveal himself to yeah. us? Yeah, from the cross. Yeah, and so I, I was hoping to unpack that for me, and as a as a as a I don't know as a result, maybe I hopefully I can bring along the reader in this pilgrimage because that's really what it is. It's not me saying here's what you need to know. It's me saying here's what the Lord has done in me. Now let me drop you off right here at the foot of the cross and let him by his spirit reveal to you what he wants to reveal to you. Because it may be different than what he's, it won't be different than what he's spoken in his word, but what your heart needs might be different than what mine needs. That is really good. Talking with Charles Martin and the book is, it. it is finished, a 40-day pilgrimage back to the cross. And Charles, before we let you go this morning, would you pray? us during this Lenten season that we would find ourselves at the foot of the cross and hearing from the Lord during these days as we lead up to Good Friday and Easter? I'd love to. Lord Jesus, we we love you and we love you alone, and we worship you and we serve you and, and you alone. So Lord, if, if, if there's anything that you hear from our hearts today, please hear that our desire is to yield to you completely and wholeheartedly surrender to you and your righteous reign and your kingdom. Now, Lord, your word says in the last days the love of many will grow cold. We don't want to be those people. Please don't let our love grow cold, Lord. So as Paul wrote to the Philippians, he said, I pray that your love would abound more and more. Would you do that in us today? Would you pour in your love into us more and more? And as we walk into these next, you know, 40-plus days leading up to where we celebrate your crucifixion and resurrection, would you please walk us back to your cross? Don't let us be the people in Galatians who Paul says had been bewitched and taken their eyes off the cross. Would you please return our affections and our focus and our heart's desire to you so that we would look up with fresh eyes and see the sacrifice of the Son of God who made a payment for us that we could not pay in 10,000 lifetimes, and it's just because you love us. Lord, would would you please do that? Would you pour out your Spirit on us and fill us up? Father, in any way that we sin against you today, yesterday, tomorrow, we repent. Please forgive us. Please, please forgive us, Lord, for sinning against you, a holy and righteous God. We love you. We praise you. And we say, Lord, let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so very much. We, we definitely appreciate you, and thank you for spending some time with us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. Y'all take care.